The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.thewaitcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. What well, what would you say to somebody that's uh, listening to this or has got the fly fishing bug, wants to get into it, somebody new to it? If you gave them like some words of advice or uh, words of wisdom of kind of you know you learned from some some pretty influential people and uh, kind of came at it the right way, what what would you tell somebody just getting started? Stay off social media because uh, those people are cruel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love if, it. <laughs> uh, if we could be, if I could be honest, is you know what, man? Get people in your circle that um, in your fly fishing circle that really help you learn something new every day. Because uh, the one thing I love about fly fishing is that there is something. There is not a day that I'm on the water, whether it's fly fishing, spearhead fishing, anything like that, that I don't learn something. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fish in 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us today. And we're going to head out to a beautiful part of the world, Abbotsford, B.C. You might hear a little bar. Bar sounds in the background. We'll get to what that means in just a moment. We've got Max Cohen on the line. Now, Max is guide or was guide in camp host at Finger Lake Lodge, but uh, his main gig is at Fred's Custom Tackle in Abbey, and uh, we know this guy's absolutely obsessed with all things fins, flies, chronomids, all that good stuff. Max, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity, and uh, look forward to having the conversation, kind of just talk about what I do, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. So we ran into each other at a show, uh, what was the name of that show? DC Outdoors show, right? Yeah, it's a BC Outdoor show for uh, BC Outdoors magazine. Yeah, so um, great show, and it was just kind of the first time that everybody was kind of getting back together again, which to me is exciting. So I know you just finished up your shift at Fred's and basically went uh, upstairs to the bar, which, uh, well, let's plug the bar. We're talking, uh, we got uh, Brown Social House. I'm sure that's where you're sitting right now. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, not upstairs, unfortunately. That would be great, and I'm sure none of us would get any work done, but uh, it's uh, just down the road, and uh, that's generally my choice of place to go. I like it. So you're familiar with your surroundings. Yeah, we've been here a few times. Yeah, I feel that. So let's start with your uh, fly fishing history, Max. I always like to dig into that. How did you discover fly fishing? Like, where did, where did everything start for you? Uh, so my grandparents owned a lake, uh, or, or owned a cabin on Okanagan Lake, kind of uh, right at the head there in Vernon. And uh, my neighbor used to fly fish, or their neighbor used to fly fish or carp off of uh, his dock. And I was about 10 or 11, and I wanted a fly rod. My grandparents told me, no way you're getting a spinner on. Got one of those, and then uh, a couple weeks later, he actually ended up giving me a fly rod. And uh, ended up fly fishing off the dock for carp, never caught anything, because obviously... As we all know, they're extremely hard to catch on the fly. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Saltwater bonefish kind of thing going on. Yeah, they're tough for sure. So, okay, so if you had to look back at that, so that's the beginnings on Okanagan Lake, which I'm very familiar with that lake. Did you just get Did you just get your beer? Not yet, no. What is going very, on in there? It's very busy, except I'm sitting in like a kind of secluded corner nicely, does, so it's does, fairly quiet. Does your server know you're doing a podcast? Like, come on. What? Yes, she does. Okay. She's staring at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I love it. 
Talk to me about influences. So if you had to look back and say, you know, maybe it's your grandfather, maybe it's people around you, maybe it's people from the shop, maybe it's guides you ran into, like, where have you drawn your knowledge all these years? Well, actually, um, nobody in my family fishes at all. So uh, it was kind of a weird start for me. I really learned everything I knew off of YouTube and watching Simon Goswell casting for real uh, and watching stuff like that. And then uh, I eventually ended up joining a fly fishing youth team and through that i met uh, somebody by the name of peter morrison yeah um he's know that the old sage rep yeah yeah so uh unfortunately he's passed away now uh, okay about five, i think five six years ago now um but kind of him he's kind of boosted boosted me in the fly fishing industry to get into it he was uh, a super influential part of uh kind of getting me started on that kick in the industry and uh, wanting to be in it and seeing the kind of people that were involved in this stuff I know how much passion you have for getting out there. And uh, a couple of things I like to do on this show early on, Max, is get to know your day-to-day. You ready for a few random questions that may or may not have a whole heck of a lot to do with uh, fly tying or fishing? Hit me with them. All right, man, let's talk tunes. You're headed to your favorite still or moving water. What What's playing in the truck? Tragically hip, 100%. Wow. <laughs> Road apples or what's the go-to? I'm probably going to start with uh, Wheat Kings and Blow It High Dough and then whatever follows on like this four albums on my phone. <laughs> Love it. So <laughs> let's talk patterns when when you're headed out. Uh, now we're talking in uh, May, early June. What's your go-to patterns this time of year? Like what's what's coming out of your box more often than not? For uh, If they're eating crawnies, which we all... Uh, we all hope and pray they are, that the indicator can go down. Um, I'll be fishing probably a size 16 ASB, black underbody, coffee or black rib, maybe blue Dutch collar, black collar, burnt orange kind of dealy. If not, 100% Ryan Chan's vampire, or um, uh, ruby-eyed leech. Yeah, you're hitting some stops there. Though. <laughs> you're not going to do too much wrong with those patterns. Hmm. Exactly. How's your fishing been so far this year? I know we're fairly early on the open water season. A lot of the lakes are kind of around 50 degrees Fahrenheit, between 48 and 52, depending on elevation. How how you been making out so far? Um, well, so far we started off with Jacko, just uh, me and one of the guys, Troy, from the shop. Uh, we took one of the other guys out, kind of as an early trip, about two weeks ago. And uh, it was kind of just like Tiddler Dinkfest for most of the day. Nothing over uh, two and a half pounds, basically. Lots of fish, but nothing. And then uh, went up to another, uh, let's go call that an unnamed lake, uh, last week. And uh, that was pretty good on the first day. Um, eating small, small, small bug size 20s, all black. And then transferred into bigger ASBs, still 16s and 14s throughout the day. Hmm. Some sight fishing, some mayflies in the afternoon. But uh, yeah, second day was super tough, only five fish. What, what's the hot fly in the shop? This week, so if, if you're kind of putting people on the fish and you're saying this is what you need, what, what are you handing them? Um, honestly, most of the guys that I get, probably a chromie. Yeah. That's... Probably a size 16 chromie, black bead, black or red rib, probably one of each. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. talk to me about bead color. How important is that to you? Because I know you and I are fishing a lot of the similar water. Sometimes it's the white bead, sometimes it's the gunmetal, sometimes it's a black bead. What's your thought process on that? Well, for clear water, I'm definitely always almost a black bead guy with um, uh, white ostrich fur. I don't use any antron or anything like that. I use white ostrich for gills almost all the time. Um, for muddier lakes, like some of the uh, like some of the ponds, let's call them, I'll fish a white bead. But anything over a size, let's say... In your 12s and 10s, I'm going to be fishing white beads on those, anything smaller, black or copper. You just said something that really caught my attention, because I used to tie with ostrich hurl for gills. Haven't done that in years. Went over to the unithread. Uh, why ostrich? Um, I like it because it's natural. It's very old school. Um, but the biggest con about it is that if you fish it in muddy water or your hands are dirty or anything like that, it's automatically the color of whatever is around us. Yeah, I feel that. But talk to it about like the movability. Like the it it looks really fluid in the water, and like that it's a real natural looking material. Is that is that why you go to that? Absolutely. And the other thing I really like about it too is I find if you are 
OCD or uh, fidgety like me sometimes. Uh, when you, st- I find when you strip the indicator, if you leave it a bit longer in the gill, it kind of pulsates a bit. And I don't mean like a quarter inch long gill, still really short. But let's say double the uh, double the eye of the hook, if we want to call it that. Mm, I and like I feel it. like it breathes really well, and I just feel like it's almost translucent as per what a chronomid would be, which is what we're going for. You got that beer yet? No. Oh, jeez. Okay, I'm you got You got to tell us when you got it. Okay. I know. We're, this is going to be a whole part of this. Is that every time <laughs> we have a block, we're going to ask if well, I got the beer. Because one of my questions is, where's your favorite place to go and talk fly fishing? So I know it's Brown Social House. I know it's the shop, but maybe it's social media. Like, if you had to pick a spot to go, this is where I get my fix on fly fishing when I'm not in my waders. Where is it? Mm. Stillwaters and then my house. Uh, generally, there's always a buddy over at the house, or we got a couple buddies over at my place drinking beer and uh, tying flies and bullshitting mm. and talking crap kind of idea. <laughs> I love it. That sounds serious. Um, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> so, full disclosure, I checked out your, <laughs> I looked at your, I can't remember if it was Instagram or Facebook, but uh, I'm going to quote this and you're going to have to explain it because I don't know what the hell it means. Uh, never judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. If you do, yeah. it will live its entire life believing it's stupid. So Correct. W- what does that mean? Um, so when I was a kid, um, I had, uh, I guess I don't know, when I was in school, I didn't do very good. So uh, I had my, the school had somebody assess me, and uh, they told my parents not to expect me to build a birdhouse. So the laughing joke is, is that uh, I can't build a birdhouse. And I saw that quote one day, and I said, you know what? That is almost identical. I like it. And, uh, yeah, I just stuck. And that was actually my grad quote when I graduated, too. Somebody actually said to your parents, don't expect them to build a birdhouse? A hundred percent. And I was tying flies at the time, too. I think I was in grade five, so I would have been probably 10, 11, something like that. And I was already tying flies, too. And uh, it was quite funny, actually. That's That actually just drives me nuts. I'm sorry, but that bothers me. Anyway, well, it, it goes back to our education system at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's, yeah. Wow. I, I just hope that kind of stuff's not happening anymore because yeah, we have a lot better education, I think, now, and it seems like a lot of the educators we do have, and they do an amazing job, from uh, what I can see. So yeah. So have you ever built a birdhouse? Uh, yeah, I've actually <laughs> um, uh, built a house before too. So. <laughs> I, yeah, that'll show them. I love it. Hopefully one day I can build her house and tell her to suck it. So, You know, I love it. When when I met you, I'm like, this guy's genuine. He's got some... I, I There's something about this space that I absolutely love. Everybody's so kind of um, sharing with information. But um, I, I guarantee you that... Uh, you're probably catching a lot more fish than a lot of people I talk to, and I, you're you seem like a real fishy guy when I ran into you. So, um, right, tell me about yourself a little bit. Like, are you are you that guy that's like I got to prove that person wrong, or, or are you just so obsessed with the sport that this pastime that it's just kind of all encompassing? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, uh, especially with the first one. Um, I had a pretty interesting childhood, and. Uh, pretty interesting beginning to the start of path of life we could put it that way so uh yeah i just think um some of the struggles and trials and tribulations i went through as a young adult and uh kind of pushed me to drive me to be better in this because this is what i love and that's uh yeah that's definitely a huge part of my drive for that i love it i love it taking the high road (laughs) exactly you got it buddy so you know what we all have demons in life and uh yeah I think fishing for anybody is a huge, huge outlet to that, and that uh, anybody that struggles with anything in life, you know what, man? Go fishing. Yeah. Find somebody. If you know somebody that struggles in life, whether with addiction, they're depressed, it doesn't matter what it is, and they're having a tough time, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take them fishing. How, how old? I know I'm not supposed to ask this question. How old are you? 25. Wow. That's a, yeah. That seems fairly, uh, you seem a lot older than that when I talk to you. Let, um, yeah, let's, <laughs> I get that a lot. Let's talk sports. Um, are you a sports guy? Like, do you have a team? Are you pulling for, is it the Canucks? Is it the Lions? Is it, is it the Seahawks? Like, um, are, are you a sports guy at all? I don't watch sports anymore. Like, I don't have time. If you could say, uh, like, you know, when you ask the question, like, uh, what are you doing when you, uh, you ask the question, what are you doing when you're not on the water? Mm-hmm. It's uh, fishing, fly tying, or fishing, fly tying, and drinking beer or sleeping. So, well, great. So now I can't. That was my next question. 
I love it. Yeah, I'm glad you got my questions list. Um, talk to me about what fly fishing does for you. You kind of just alluded to it, but what does it bring into your world? It drives my life. Um, that's kind of, uh, you know, that age old saying is that um, uh, if you, uh, no crap, sorry, I'm sorry here. Sorry. The age old, the age old saying that uh, if you if you enjoy what you do, uh, you'll never be, you'll uh, never be miserable day day in your life. Mm-hmm. That's um, a huge thing. I learned uh, pretty early in life. There's no point being miserable. Do what you love because uh, life is uh, not short. But we're uh, here for a good time and to help others. So do what you love and just have the best front forward and attitude in life that you can. Yeah, well, you you have that infectious personality that I seldom run into, but always remember. I, I want I want you to think about your career so far. So obviously, um, let's talk about how long you've been with Fred's, how long you've been kind of in the fly fishing space, but also, have you done other things before this? Um, where did you start out in the in the job world? In the job world, um, I worked for uh, Peter Morrison in his garage a little bit, and going to casting lessons and stuff like that, helping him and. Uh, did a trade show with him, and then uh, after he passed away, I uh, became really good friends with Scott Baker McGarva, who's actually uh, the current Sims rep now. And uh, mm-hmm. Scott's also been a huge influence in my life, and he's kind of pushed me to uh, I don't know, want to be better at fly fishing. Sorry, I missed the end of the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just so, so okay. So there's kind of your. Are you living your best life? Are you doing your best job to date? To date now, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always busy. Uh, Fred keeps me super busy in the shop. Uh, I work for uh, Fred's Custom Tax as a guide and uh, kind of jumped into a new venture as well with uh, Fred. It is uh, River Titan Pro Anglers. We've opened a new company at uh, the trade show. I don't know if you noticed there, we had a big black boat at the Fred's booth. Yeah. And uh, that's our new boat. And uh, wow. we've opened a new company. So me, him, uh, another guy by the name of Mac White. Was that, the, uh, was that the Kingfisher boat? What was that one? No, that's a 26-foot ultra-sport full cabin with a bathroom and a sleeper. Wow. So where are you taking that? Where are you going? So that's going to be doing, Mac and the boys are going to be doing ocean trips in that and uh, sturgeon trips in that as well. Hmm. Um, so it's going to be, we're going to be one of very few boats on the Fraser that has a full bathroom and a full heated cabin. Wow. So it's uh, going to be pretty neat. You're going to be able to do a um, Sandheads uh, sockeye trip if they open it or anything like that. And then... Uh, We'll be doing surgeon trips to combine with that. So it's going to be a really awesome opportunity to add to our fleet. Love it. Love it. So if you look at your career, what's the worst job you've had so far? Uh, does it count if it's not fly fishing or fishing related? Y- yeah, man, whatever. I used to. So before fly fishing and stuff like that, I managed a rebar fabrication shop. Mm-hmm. And I also worked at Super Safe, if you know what that is, like fence rentals. Mm-hmm. But I worked for this rebar shop for two years as a manager and like built it from the ground up. And uh, I worked construction before in previous times, and I did that job, and that was the worst job I ever did. That was by far hmm. probably the worst thing I've ever done. What, what's the end game in fly fishing for you? I mean, is it just so much part of your life what you're doing? You don't really have an end game, or you, is there a is there a bigger picture going on here? A bigger picture for me, um, honestly, yeah. Eventually, I'd like to work with um, troubled kids and kids that struggle in addiction and stuff like that and introduce them to fly fishing and uh, some start some sort of program like that. I started one in my high school when I was a kid as well and uh, hmm. kind of want to do that eventually one day too. And Love just sharing it. this tradition that we have. It's, uh, it's hmm. not a dying tradition because people are still doing it, but teaching it in the proper manner and conservation-wise and everything like that is a super important part because if uh, we don't share proper ways of doing this and harvest and everything else like that but this won't be here in 15 20 years yeah. for my kids if i have any or for your grandkids yeah well said um where did you grow up exactly so i grew up in abbotsford mm-hmm. um, i've lived in abbotsford pretty much my whole life uh i lived in Kelowna for two years um yeah and i've kind of pretty much traveled around all the province doing really awesome stuff mm-hmm been really grateful and had lots of great opportunities to fish with lots of cool people and uh, learned lots of different different things to be able to round out uh, round out being as a whole angler i guess if you want to call it that so max when you're guiding is there a certain region or area that you normally guide like where, where, where do you normally take people like so, without giving away secrets 
Well, to be honest, what I do is not a secret. Um, at Fred's, we do do some uh, remote trips. We won't get into the names of places, though. We do those. Uh, we do offer bull trout trips and that kind of thing, and uh, remote steelhead trips as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, our big thing is um, guiding on the better and stuff like that in the Chehalis River. And some guys might get mad at me for mentioning the name of the second one, but uh, there's nothing private in the lower mainland if we want to look at it that way. We all have our secret little gems, but yeah. uh, there's nothing really private. And then I guide on the Fraser as well. Nice. Yeah, well, those Mostly two... walking weights for steelhead and salmon. Those two rivers you mentioned, uh, I spent a lot of time on those a, a long time ago and know how good they can be, but also know how busy they can be. So, um, I mean, that's, that's, but it, do you find, I always find them a little conflicted in the fly fishing space. It's like you want people to do it, but you also want your space and it's finding that kind of happy medium. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. There's a happy medium of, you know, you want to share spots and tell people things and tell them where to go and that kind of thing. On the other hand, you're like, ah, I don't know if I should tell this person or yeah. do this or post this picture on social media kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's an it's a struggle for sure. So listen, I, I want to talk about, um, we've got Max Cohen on the line uh, today. So he's out of Abbotsford, British Columbia, guide and camp host uh, at one point at Finger Lake Lodge. But now he's, uh, he's fully, uh, he's, Sounds like you're fully in at Fred's Custom Tackle, doing some guiding, hanging out at Brown Social House. Did you get that beer yet? Um, yeah, it's actually walking towards me I right now. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. Yeah. So, no, we're, we're in the game now. So There you go. Uh, what kind of beer do you order? Uh, I am drinking a Fat Tug IPA. That is Ooh, the general go-to. That's one of my go-tos. Cool. Yes, that is the go-to. Yeah, love it. How many do you find that when you're fishing? So you're out in the water, and uh, what when you're fishing, are you still drinking IPAs, or do you kind of swap it up to kind of camping beers? Oh, I'm drinking PBRs 100 yeah. percent for yeah. sure. Feel that? It's funny. <laughs> it's so true, right? Like we were talking about this just the other night on the show. It's like when you're out and it's hot and you're camping, you just want something cold and nothing too fancy. But I do enjoy those those. Uh, those smaller brews and, and, and hoppy beers when I'm not out there. I know that sounds weird. But well, let's be honest. If we drank as many, um, uh, if we drank as many, um, uh, yeah. PBRs and Budweiser's as we drank as IPAs, yeah. you wouldn't be leaving the bar or your house for a long time. No, you're not, you're not wrong. Uh, good stuff. So let, let's talk about tying. Cause I know tying is a big part of your life. Um, yes, I tie a lot. <laughs> do you like so? How what's a lot? I mean, do you tie in the shop? Are you tying on your uh, at home a lot? Where are you doing most of your time? I tie at the shop. I tie at home. I tie on the lake, on the boat. Oh jeez, um, it's it's pretty bad. You're um, tying on the boat. You know what, man? As many chronomids you can have. Like I'm, I'm starting this minimalist thing, and I started the past two kind of years where I'm have one big 600 fly box. Yeah. 600 piece and that's it that's all i'm bringing but there's always that little part of ocd of me that i have this little fly tying kit in the boat in the box it's uh if i don't have it i'll tie it and i'll figure it out Hmm. you know something i want to ask you because you're in the shop so let's say you're tying in the shop let's say you're tying your favorite chronomid pattern for this time of year you look on the shelf you've got access to just about every hook made what's your go-to like what do you like to tie on uh, I like the Umquas and the, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Daiichi, Daiichi. Yeah. Um, also really like the Marudos. And to be honest, I used to use a lot of mustads, but all they do is bend. Yeah. Well, when you said Daiichi, I, I can relate to that because I, I used to tie a lot on Daiichis. They're very strong hooks and they're heavy, so they sink. The one problem I have and find with them is the hook point is not long enough. So if you are not on that hook set, and uh, yeah, I, I sturgeon hook set everything. I'm an absolute animal. <laughs> Stur- <laughs> so, um, sturgeon hook set every. That's quotable. I find I don't have that problem, but uh, I know. Notice if I give like flies to buddies and stuff like that that are uh, yeah. they're not watching the indicator, and you kind of yell at them to set it. If you're not strong enough on it, you don't get them. Hmm. That's the one thing I notice with Daiichi is that uh, that the. Uh, point is not long enough and i know there's lots of other hooks out there i've noticed that there's fire hole how uh, what are they fire hole hooks yeah. now? I, think yeah, I haven't tried them yet they're on my list 
Um, I tried the extreme midge thread too. Uh, let's if we want to get on the topic of new fly tying stuff. Yeah, I love um, it, man. Let's talk. Let's talk that because I, I. It's funny you said that. I just tried some the other other day. What What do you think about that thread? So, I had to do exactly like Penny. Uh, I'm gonna probably say his name wrong. Pennywise and Stillwater what, said. West Penny. Yeah, West Penny. Sorry, pardon me. Pennywise. Uh, that isn't that this. some psycho clown on a movie? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So <laughs> let's not let's not call West that. No, he's a nice man. The conversations I've had with him uh, over he's, social media. He's amazing. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's classic. I'm going to be using that. Anyway, he um, had said, uh, really loosen your bobbin tension. And uh, yeah. I'm really used to tying. I tie a lot of steelhead intruders on shanks. Uh, big composite loop, guys. So everything I do, I'm winching the thread on there. Okay. So that was the one thing is I really had to loosen the bobbin tension and take my hand off the bobbin because uh, – I think I broke about half the spool and went through about a whole pack of hooks until I actually figured out how to use it properly. And that's part of fly tying. It's just being adaptive. Yeah. Like not everything's going to work for everybody. Not every product out there is meant for everybody. Just find what works for you. Well, I find that stuff is so fine that, and it's also so strong. So if the, if you're using a relatively fine wire hook, it's going to bend that shank, you know? Yeah, exactly yeah um i tie a lot with the uh what is it the semper semper fly yeah very thin thin kind of like kevlar thread yeah yeah i like that i, I use that in, tw- in uh, white a lot in the 12 lot for steelhead flies do you how do you cut it normally how do i cut it with super super sharp dr slick scissors okay that's the only thing that should be on your bench <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you i've is... tried the loon ones and uh I don't know. I've gone through probably six pairs of them in uh, about a month. They just don't stay sharp for me. I, maybe it's because I'm using all that thread all the time. I use a razor, but uh, I know what you mean. Like, there's only certain scissors that will go through that stuff. Exactly. I like those Dr. Slicks with the dial on them that you can crank it down. I forget what's here. I should know what I work in a shop. But. <laughs> well, I, one thing I know about doing these interviews, if the shop's not in front of you or your materials aren't in front of you, I'm like that too. I don't really remember. None. Oh, yeah. It's just like, what'd you use on that? Well, some flashy ASB that was cut. <laughs> I don't know what size with some wire and thread. Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, from a bag of mandarin oranges. It's that green string. And then I got... <laughs> Yeah. If you're going that far with your fly tying, I would really like to see some of these chronos. I do, man. I, I'm not kidding. I'm always trying to use. I will with an tell orange you, bag. Uh, yeah, they so or an avocado bag. It has that green. It's like uh, it looks like chicken wire, but it's soft. And I've used it as ribs. Yeah, that mesh bag. Yeah, yeah, really. Oh yeah. Um, so can you stretch it then? No, not really. It's no. not. It's not. It's not ideal. But I mean, I sometimes like getting creative. I will tell you that I once, uh, probably 15 years ago, made some case caddis patterns, put glue on the outside of them, and rolled them in sand. <laughs> and the, it slayed. Like I don't know if that's really a fly, but man, did it look like a, a case caddis. Well, if we're talking about crazy things we've done with fly tie, um, so I once thought that it would be a super super good idea. To look, like you know those sandals that they sell at Walmart. Yep. Cool. I figured I'd cut some come these cut some of these sandals up and use them for hopper bodies. Perfect. Well, at that point in fly tying, I didn't know the difference between open and closed cell foam. Right. Well, I guess the sandals that I bought were open cell foam. So as soon as I hit the water, they just absorbed it all and sank. <laughs> That's funny. I literally tied up like I went to the Thompson and tied up probably I don't know two packs of Mustad dry fly hooks with these things. Hmm. And every single one of them sank. Epic, epic fail. But you know what? Maybe, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe you're getting them subsurface in the film. Oh, they didn't work at all. I was uh, super stubborn, and I tried for probably eight hours while my buddy absolutely cleaned up behind me. And uh, hmm. yeah, that's probably one of the worst fishing trips of my life because of my own stupidity. <laughs> well, have have you ever seen that video with the? Uh, I think they're fly fishing for roosters or GTs, and the guy actually takes a sandal. And it looks like a duck. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's epic. No way. That's crazy. Oh, I'm not kidding. It's a floating foam sandal. He turns it into something that looks like a duck, throws it out there, catches this giant rooster. It's, uh, yeah, I got to find it. It's. I'll share it on my page if I find it. It's pretty funny. I've seen crazier things, sturgeon fishing from some guys. So. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a crazy game. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you out there, Max? Like, is there anything weird that's happened to you, whether it's a wildlife encounter or you're not going to believe this, but this really happened? Um, anything super crazy that I can think of? Um, so, I bought a boat when I was uh, 18, and uh, I decided it'd be fun to uh, go for a rip up the uh, Pit River in it. And this is like a low wall G3 with a 30 horse jet on the back. Yeah. And I drove it right onto a sandbar. Oh, shoot. And well, every well known guy to the lower mainland drove past me. Max <laughs> was stranded on a gravel bar. You know what I love about that story is I talk to a lot of people that are afraid to make mistakes, but here's how I look at it. If you never make mistakes, you're not out there. I don't care, you what, I don't care what you do for a living. You're not out there if you don't screw up. That is the first and last jet boat I have ever crashed, so we are good. Yeah. Any boat, actually, for that matter. Yeah, well, you learn, right? As long as nobody gets hurt or, heaven forbid, gets seriously uh, injured. Exactly. I did have another crazy experience a couple weeks ago. Me and my buddy were uh, doing a float on the Vetter and uh, yeah. was rowing down the river. Did some pretty gnarly stuff in it because the water was kind of high. Mm-hmm. And coming down one run, he looks at me and says, Hey, why is your pontoon sideways? And I... <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? And I look down, and my entire frame that connects to the seat is yeah. starting to bend inwards. Oh, shoot. So I'm like, okay, I'll make another run. Make the next run around the corner. I'm like, I'll pull out at the bottom. As we go to do that, um, the frame basically just falls apart right in the tail. <laughs> oh, classic. So for all of you guys out there that think that your uh, raft can go through a rodeo circus and you're a hero, you're not. <laughs> Bad things happen to professionals, too. That's funny. Crazy. Well, yeah. as long as nobody gets hurt, you can laugh about it. No, I put my feet on the ground. It was pretty interesting. Looked at him, grabbed both pieces, and I was like, yo, there goes my rod. <laughs> <laughs> so um, back, I want to go back to the tine a little bit because I do love talking tine. Um, here you are at uh, you know Fred's. You can use probably just about any vice you want in the shop. What do you choose to pull off the wall to use? Um, at home and at the shop, I use Renzetti. Nice. Which one? Um, at home, I use a Renzetti Master, I think it's a 9000. Wow. Okay. And then I also have a little, I believe it's called a Renzetti Apprentice. That's my little one I throw in my fly time kit. Okay. Yep. So, so you actually take your materials to the lake? So, no. I have... If uh, anybody listening and does any spay fishing at all, you'll uh, know about those Rio spay wallet bags. I use one of those with the little spay head bags and shove materials in one of those. And I can probably fit half of my fly tying collection in one of those bags. See, okay, Max, you got to dial me in on this because so there's two reasons I don't tie at the lake. First off, I'd rather be fishing. Secondly, it's like, how do I know what to take for materials? So how... How do you know what to pack in that? So I have a really, I don't want to say it's super broad, but I carry a couple different, I'll take a half a sheet of ASB of whatever color I think, whether it's opal or gray or opal or the normal ASB color mm-hmm. or a different color window tint. The other thing I really, really like to have is the buzzer wrap, I believe it's called. Oh, I love that stuff. Because no matter what color you have, you can have, let's say, eight colors of buzzer wrap. Fluorescent smoke has to be one of them. Um, as yeah. long as you have 10 different thread colors, you can make whatever color you want. Yep, you're not wrong. And I think I think the, the more chronomid patterns I tie, the more I've learned that. Is like you got to think outside the box, right? Because the under wrap is as important as whatever you put on top, depending on the color. Exactly. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people miss in fly tying, too, is, yes, there's a lot of stuff out there, but... You could probably tie chronomids with six colors of thread, four colors of other wrap, and one sheet of ASB. <laughs> do you, when you put your rib on, do you put your rib on top of the buzzer wrap, or do you put it underneath for the most part? On top. I don't like the look of it underneath. I think it looks funny. Okay. So, I mean, that's a pro tip right there, because that's um, I do both. And, and sometimes, do you know what I've been doing lately, Max? I've been taking like that fine or extra fine wire, say black using that as a rib and then taking gunmetal flashaboo and using that as an overlay and over my, top of the flash oh, over my, top of the wire yeah right beside right up against the wire so it looks super segmented huh interesting yeah. i'm i don't want to say 
it's weird with chronomids. I'm one way and it's simple. If I can use ASB to get what I need to do, I'm great. I do love experimenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll literally sit down with a bunch of different materials, play around, but I'm pretty simple that way. But uh, tie in steelhead flies with intruders and stuff like that. I'll try anyway. Yeah. Do you? So, uh, what's your go-to in thread? What do you like to use? I know you mentioned the semper semper fly. Sorry. Um, you also mentioned what was the other one? You mentioned the uh, the like the midge, the the tech stream. Yeah, I've only got a couple schools of that. I've just started using that. But if you want to probably look in my box of thread, I most likely have Beavis and then that um, uh, Semperfly. Uh, no UTC in there? No, unless it's Blue Dot, because that's the only <laughs> one that makes it. And on, honestly, too, for any of you guys that bought Blue Dot this year and went, what the hell? Yeah, the color's wrong, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, so... I- I, I use Blue Dawn on occasion, but I got to tell you, my favorite is the gray-brown. Really? Yeah, I love that I like color. that iron gray. I played around with that from uni this year, or last year, and that worked out pretty good, but it's got too much green in it. Okay. It's amazing how, and uh, do you find that a lot of people tie patterns and then maybe don't think about what they look like when they're wet? Like, I mean, I know that sounds silly, but if you put it in water, it changes, and I think... A lot of times we tend to go too dark. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it does make sense. One thing um, that you learn in tying steelhead flies, especially intruders with plots of synthetic material, is water is your best friend. So even on the side of my fly tying bench, I have a little empty fish tank, just water, and I literally will stick the fly in it. And I know that's not what it's going to look like 25 feet down, but at least I get an idea of what it looks like while it's wet. Mm, I like it. We've got Max Cohen on the line out of Abbotsford, B.C. Uh, he's sitting in Brown's Social House with a uh, Fat Tug IPA as we... <laughs> this, I like it, man. This is legit. Just just closed up the shop and basically went down the street. And uh, thanks for making this happen because you and I have been going back and forth a bit. I know you had uh, you had a trip to the interior there last week. How did you make out on that trip? Uh, it was good. First day was really good. Second day was pretty slow. But uh, other than that, it was good. And then, uh, yeah, I just finished up my steelhead season uh, of guiding the week before. So hmm. that's why we couldn't do our last show before that. So is that your is that your kind of escape then after steelhead season? You just get out and hit the interior on some still and just kind of uh, have some maybe yeah. some PBRs? Or that's my thing. I really love sea run cutthroat fishing too. But unfortunately, with... Uh, you know, doing walking weights and steelhead on the fly and stuff like that. It's, uh, cutthroat fishing is kind of right in the beginning of that. Yeah. The really good cutthroat fishing we have. I like to hit it early when uh, I find the earlier you go, the bigger the cutthroat tend to be. Okay. Because the small fish are following food because they need to get big. The big fish are already big. They can focus on eating natural bugs until the fry get to where they need to be. Are you fishing Deb Pascal's number nine? Or are you fishing? What are you fishing for cutties? Um, that's one of them. I have another fly that we'll just say is like a, let's call it a black woolly bugger. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like that. And that's probably one of my most productive flies. Is there a material on your wall at home that you go, I'm going to find a use for this one day, but I haven't yet? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So this is actually be kind of weird. So my old friend of mine, his dad has a, like a hobby farm and he had this goat and it's got this, I don't remember what kind of goat it is, but it's got this really, really, really long fiber on it. Mm -hmm. So I've got this whole sheet of this white goat and it's too coarse to use for pike streamers. It's too soft to use. It's just very weird. Mm. I've tried using it in a couple different things already. And uh, it doesn't work, but I know it'll work for something, so that's probably the one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's, materials are funny that way. I find that I'll be in a shop, I'll see something I've never seen before, I'll buy it. I know one day I'll use it, oh, right? You know what that one thing actually is that I have not used at all? Hmm. So you know how they had, like, the Sculpin helmets? Yeah, yeah. And then the, uh, that company came out with, like, the, the insect helmets? Yeah, I got some of those. Yeah, I've never used them, and I don't think I plan on it. <laughs> they look but, so weird. But you bought them. <laughs> I bought them. I don't even think I actually bought them. I think I got them somehow. Okay, fair. I think I uh, asked somebody, he's like, hey, you ever tried these? You're like, yeah, here's a pack. And I was like, oh, sick. I didn't really want them. 
So uh, we're in a bit of a unique situation with yourself because I know you're doing some spay casting, you're doing some still water, you're doing some rivers, you're doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. If you had to pick your brand of fly rod, what would it be? What do you like to use? That's a good question. Any brand, at, like the rest of my life kind of deal? No, but I mean, like, what's your go-tos right now? So if you're on the still, what are you using? If you're if you're throwing spay, what's your go-to? If I'm throwing spay, I am throwing probably an 8136 Sage 1 or a 7-weight method switch. Still waters right now. I'm actually uh, switching it up this year. I'm fishing a 3-weight OPSD switch rod. Okay. Um, it's a 993 weight. It's supposed to be true to weight, but it feels a little bit heavier. It's more like a 4 or a 5. And uh, I've been chucking that indicators every trip so far this year. I played around with it for uh, fishing for rainbows after salmon season a bit on the indicator. And, man, is that an awesome rod. Hmm. Well, what would you say to somebody that's uh, listening to this or has got the fly fishing bug, wants to get into it, somebody new to it? If you gave them like some words of advice or uh, words of wisdom of kind of, you know, you learned from some, some pretty influential people and uh, kind of came at it the right way, what, what would you tell somebody just getting started? Stay off social media because uh, those people are cruel. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love if, it. <laughs> uh, if, we could be, if I could be honest, is you know what, man? Get people in your circle that... Um, in your fly fishing circle that really help you learn something new every day because uh, the one thing I love about fly fishing is that there is something, there is not a day that I'm on the water, whether it's fly fishing, spirited fishing, anything like that, that I don't learn something. Oh, amen. So keep an open amen. mind. I love it. And always just, you know, keep good people in your circle, good people to learn from, get on with a good forum, something like the still waters or get in with a good group of guys and uh, hmm. keep an open mind and just have fun with it. It's not a competition and, uh, yeah, just have a really good time with it. That's really well verbalized. I like that. Because um, I do get a lot of people reach out and say, hey, I'm looking at getting into fly fishing. What do I need to do? And honestly, I find that question kind of overwhelming because <laughs> look back at your history as to where you are today, as to where you came from. It's like, where do you start? It's, um, it's If not we a... want to be realistic with the question, we could say, uh, pull out a loan for forty grand and come see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, that's good. That's quotable. I'm throwing. I'm right. Exactly. Ra- I'm writing this down, Max. I got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, what's going on tomorrow? Are you back at the shop? Or are you guiding? Um, I'm back at the shop. My guiding season's over for a bit. Um, I'll be back guiding for surgeon in the end of May. I'm taking a bit of time off. Stillwater fishing. Unfortunately, steelhead fishing is over. That's where my uh, true thing is. I love swinging flies for steelhead. That's uh, yeah. That's my big thing. And unfortunately, where we live, we don't have the greatest summer on population. But uh, I've got a couple trips planned to the island. If numbers look good, uh, I'm not the kind of guy to... I won't just go fish a river for the sake that I want to go fishing. If uh, I go out one trip and the numbers are lower than they should be, or I notice that it's different, I uh, won't hit it again kind of deal. I'll leave that system to rest for the year. So, Do you, do you ever find you overdose on fishing? And I, I only ask you that because you're in a shop, you're guiding... You're spending a lot of time talking about it. Do you ever have days where you're like, man, I just need to take a break? No. It's really weird. And I know I've had so many guys tell me, you know, you're going to be burnt out and stuff like that. But it's uh, hmm. this is it, it's what drives my life. Um, I wake up in the morning and I say, okay, am I going fishing today? What am I doing? Who am I going to help? Who am I teaching this? You know, what at the shop are we going to merchandise differently? Like anything like that. It's uh, hmm it's, uh, I don't know, it drives me mentally, physically, and it's, uh, eat, like you said, eat, sleep, and breathe it, and that's just a true thing. It's funny. I'll just, I'll give you, like, so this is a for instance. So um, we do two or three trips a year, usually three, four, or five days at a time. And I find I get my, it's not my fill, but I get my five days or four days, and I feel like I've got my sanity back, and then I can go on with life until the next time. But I do find that it kind of fills the cup up after a few days. Do you, do you experience that, or is it always kind of half full for you? <laughs> so it's always kind of half full deal. It's not that I'm always chasing the next best thing. 
but uh, I've got a really good buddy. His name's Mitch. Uh, am I allowed to do shout-outs on this? Yeah, 100%. Um, look up Flyfish Mitch on Instagram, or Flyfish Mish on Instagram, if you want to do any sort of fly fishing, filming, anything like that. This guy's an absolute wizard. Hmm. Uh, but he's a good buddy of mine, and uh, we probably fish six days a week. If I'm working full, like full-time, even after I'm done guiding or after the shop, we probably fish six days a week. Right on. So yeah. <laughs> I, you're throwing me mixed messages, man, because you just you kind of alluded to the fact you may have had a hard time with social media. I want to dig into that a little bit. Like, what what have the lessons you've learned? Um, I with... actually have not had a hard time with social media. Okay. I had a hard time. Um, I think I touched on a little bit. I had a kind of a harder past in life. Um, uh, yeah. When I was uh, about 17 to 18 a bit, uh, I was really, really into dr- uh, doing drugs. <laughs> Okay. Which is, uh, yeah, I was uh, heavily addicted to doing drugs and uh, almost ruined my entire life. Hmm. And um, So, so I, I don't want to go where you're not comfortable, but... Oh, no, we're what, good. How did you f- fix that? Because that's a big fix. I went to a place called uh, Wagner Hills. It's in, um, uh, it's one, we want to call it Fort Langley. Yep. I love um, that. That's a beautiful area, man. It is, yeah. It's a year-long program. I did about 10 months. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, Unfortunately, I was discharged because uh, I uh, back in the day I used to chew tobacco and I got caught for chewing tobacco and unfortunately that was not allowed at a Christian facility. Right. But hmm. uh, that's neither here nor there. It's a really good program. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good way to turn your life around if that's something that uh, that your life is needing or you know somebody that's not uh, that you know somebody that needs help. What was your drug of choice? Uh, cocaine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I um uh, I had a really I was kind of really started in the fishing industry kind of strong, yeah, and um, really fucked that up by doing a lot of stupid stuff, and uh, hmm. that's why I say that uh, fishing drives me. That keeps me from uh, not from doing stupid things because obviously that's not uh, something that I need to keep from doing it. But yeah, uh, that's what keeps me busy and that's what drives my life and makes me happy. So that's what I'm gonna do. Can I ask you? Do you, do you sometimes? Because I've got an addictive personality. Do you, do you sometimes feel that you trade one addiction for another, but maybe it's a healthier one? No, because I had somebody bring that um, to my attention um, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a girlfriend at the time. And I didn't go fishing for four weeks, didn't touch a fly rod, nothing. Right. Wow. And uh, the first three days, yeah, I was pissed off because obviously I want to go fishing. But after that, it's kind of like, you know what? No, this is life. Hmm. But that's why I've... Uh, revolves my life around fishing so i can do what i enjoy yeah if um i wasn't if i didn't do my life like that i'm sure i'd be like a lot of other people that you know i don't want to call guys weekend warriors so that's not nice we get out when weekends guys have families i don't right i just get out when i want to and i'm fortunate enough that i have that opportunity right and your whole life is surrounded by it but oh yeah there's i don't think there's actually anybody in my friend group that doesn't fish I got to tell you something. I I love talking with people that have had struggles because for me, if everything's easy, well, it's never just easy, but I I would say this, that like when when I talk with somebody that has lived through some struggles, I think there's more lessons to learn and there's more, you have more empathy for others. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know what? Yeah. A lot of guys in the shop, I think before you were saying, um, I've got like a good vibe to me that uh, kind of happy-go-lucky and I want to push that on to people. Um, you ask anybody at the shop and a lot of our customers, I'm a miserable prick. What? <laughs> yeah. Really? I'm No, I'm not miserable, but uh, I'm pretty grumpy a lot of the times. Um, I have my great, like, I'm really nice and open a lot of the times, but I'm also very grumpy. Hmm. It's uh, really weird. A lot of times guys will come into the shop and they'll look at me and they won't say a word and they walk up to the counter and they'll be like, hey, man, you doing okay today? I'll be like, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if I put off that vibe that I'm miserable or anything, but... Uh, are, you a mor- river. are you a morning person? Oh, yeah. I'm up at uh, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Yeah, I have like an internal alarm. And the, another thing that I have a problem, I'm like a jackrabbit. If I'm not doing something, there's a problem. Okay, so... <laughs> You're you're hitting some things here because I think I think I know where you're going with this. So so what 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 makes you what okay what makes you happy? So when you're do you have to be busy twenty four seven? Do you have to be busy with fishing or is it, is it you know 
is there things that kind of fill your playbook day to day that I know that's um, not I really a question. The, it is a question. No, um, I think it's like a fill the playbook. And because my life is surrounded by fishing, I think that some of those things are um, uh, those are the things that just happen that I'm doing on a daily basis, whether it's working on the jet boat, moving jet boats around, uh, guiding, fishing of my own sort, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Hmm. I think it just happens to be that way. And does it have to be fishing? No, but pretty much everything I do is, yeah, fishing related. And, uh, yeah, it's just something I wake up in the morning. That's what I want to do. How? And I want you to, pardon me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I watched a really, really interesting, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, documentary a couple nights ago on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Last Guy. It's Ooh. about this guy in Algonquin National Park. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. That's really. That is. That's the guy in the the old like, guy in the canoe. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. That is what I would see myself as, I guess. Yeah, that's um, cool. Not that I would be the last guy doing this, because obviously there's going to be a bazillion people after me doing this. But um, I don't know. I want to go down like that guy. That's uh, a documentary people should watch. Oh, it's amazing. I think I'm your local guide or else that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 so genuine and the guy looks like he's been through a million wars and and just still going, right? All right, let's um let's get back to it. I don't what the hell were we talking about? Do you remember? Oh man, I am so scatterbrained sometimes. I could talk for 12 you, hours. I think you and I have a lot in common cuz that's my life. <laughs> and just the the whole I found that interesting where you're talking about the addiction thing because to me, there there's this I don't know I just find it interesting. Um, I had um, that ahead. Scott Baker guy I was telling you about. Yeah. Um, he actually came to me when I was I sold everything I could own, and uh, he actually came to the rehab I was at and brought me a rod, a pair of waders, a vest, and boots, and told me if you can leave here, I will find you and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and to be honest without him randy um a guy i work with sean i don't think i'd uh, be in this industry at all <laughs> and yeah. especially fred too so what's it like working for fred at fred's custom tackle because i i mean a bit of a legend in the industry been doing it a long time everybody knows your shops um what's it like working with fred day to day um working with fred is awesome um we all fear fred a little bit but at the end of the day um uh I wouldn't want to work for anybody else. He's like the most straight up, honest to God person you'd ever meet. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I honestly don't think I'd want to work for another guiding company in the lower mainland industry anyway. I got um, I got to ask you how 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 old would Fred be, roughly? Is this on the air? Am I gonna get in trouble for this? No. Well, yes, it is on the air, but I can edit. No, no don't edit it out. I want him to hear this because he's gonna listen to it. Um, I think Fred is. 58 or 59. I don't think he's quite 60 yet. Maybe he's a little bit older than that. I don't quite remember. Maybe I'm doing a good job, but uh, I just don't want him to uh, wow. be um, disappointed. I did, but but the reason I ask is it feels like Fred's custom tackle has been around. I, I'm 53, and I, I don't remember a time it wasn't around, so it's like uh, I thought I figured Fred would be like in his 80s. No, he's not in his 80s. Maybe he's, maybe he's 68 then. I don't quite remember. I know Fred is old because I do call him old man. But um, <laughs> how does he respond to that? Um, normally, it is a little bit of swearing and uh, <laughs> him walking away. But he's a very nice guy. Um, I wouldn't want to. I learned um, actually quite a bit from guys that work for Fred and uh, Fred himself, how to sturgeon fish and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, Fred is a legacy on the river. His uh, his dad as well. Um, Fred was actually the one who started Fred's with his mom back in the day. And uh, I think mm. he's been in business now for 47 years, something like that. How many shops do you guys have? Like, is there not one still in Chilliwack? There is still one in Chilliwack. So actually what happened was a couple of years ago, somebody drove through that location. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, not purposely. And then uh, after we fixed it, we ended up moving out to a different location. And then Abbotsford itself has had two or three locations as well. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Big, but we have two in total now. Biggest fish you ever got out of Allison's pool? Out of Al- I don't fish Allison's pool. <laughs> I honestly, man, why? I, I'm being honest to God with you. Okay. I have fished it once, and that was probably like ten years ago, and I've never gone back. Wow, 
that there is, is much better water. If you see Max with Allison Pool, you should probably ask if I'm okay. <laughs> I I will tell you that I hooked one of the biggest springs of my life there, and it, you know how nasty it is on the sides there oh, with the it's moss. Gross. <laughs> I almost died. It was it was scary, but uh, anyway, I don't want to get. Yeah, really... no, I don't fish Allison Pool. No, you can. Like I said before, I think in the beginning of the podcast, if there, there is no spots on that river that are secret. Yeah. Um, you ever fish Alcatraz? We call it Alcatraz. I don't know if you know what that is. Are you talking about like the old prison? Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, the old youth detention center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is actually, um, for a while there, it was closed because uh, people were going up there and partying, and they actually had security up there kicking people out. But I think that's over now. Um, I don't guide a lot up top, even my own personal fishing. Um, a lot of it's fly fishing, so... I'm fishing for fish that are coming up on the tide. I'm looking for aggressive fish kind of deal. So yeah. yeah. Um, when I say Alcatraz, maybe I'm talking about the wrong place. But we used to fish these bluffs just below Vetter Crossing Bridge, and I know you must know that water. Yeah, that's the uh, rock quarry there. Yeah. Rock. Yes. Okay. We called it Alcatraz. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I'm wow. Not sure either. Wow. Back in the day. Wow. I've never seen anything like it, but I, there's so many people there now. I just, I just, I just get nauseous when I go by, and I don't mean to slam anything, but it's just like it's so the busy. The better is um, uh, pretty crazy. A lot of the stuff that I do, like I said, is down lower portions of the river, and um, the kind of the spots that I fish are spots that uh, other guys that I know fish. So when I do get into them, or I'm already there, the only people that are pulling up on me are. Uh, Guys that I know, so generally I'm pretty okay. <laughs> Maybe you can help me with this. I went to a little restaurant. It was like the River Cafe. It was right beside the Vetter Crossing Bridge. This is a long time ago. They had a okay. sandwich board sign outside that said six or seven pierogies for six ninety nine. Yeah. And I sat down and I said, I would like six. And she asked me, why not seven? I said, well, I don't know. It says six or seven. I'd like six. <laughs> I just thought that was so like that restaurant weird. is actually owned by Fred's mom. No. Yes. What? That restaurant was owned by the by Fred's mom. So what's the six or seven pierogies deal? I need to dig into this. I'm going to have to, okay, you know what? I'm going to ask Fred. And uh, we're gonna. That'll be have to be the title of this show. I felt like six or seven probies. I felt like it was, and and don't take this the wrong. It was like a language barrier. Maybe it was just it was, there was something going on with that sign, six or seven. I'm like, well, who would want six? Why wouldn't you just get seven? I mean, maybe because six is an. E- I'm an even number guy, so if you ask me how many flies I want, I'm probably telling you two. Well, see, I'm the opposite. I like seven. Everything's seven. Huh. Cool. All right. So. Talk to me about, I want you to paint us a picture. Your dream day. So everything lines up, Max, the way you want it. So I don't know if you're fishing for steelies or if you're fishing the still or if you're whatever. Walk us through, paint us a picture of your perfect day. Uh, Swinging for steelhead in my raft. Uh, One good buddy in the passenger seat. And... uh, yeah, you know what? I probably couldn't care if we hooked a fish either. Just uh, being out there is what, what counts for me. But swinging for steelhead with a good buddy in the raft for sure. What kind of flies are you throwing? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say a black and blue intruder. Um, kind of hard to explain what it would be. Yeah. But um, like I said, I tie a lot of composite loop flies. So it's um, basically black, blue, purple angel hair. With uh, Marabou Titan reverse over top on a two. Is that a bunny strip kind of leech kind of pattern? No, it's the flash. So it has flash Rhea, Marabou, and angel hair in it all spun. Oh. So the uh, I use flashaboo in it, so that would be like legs for it. So the le- the flashaboo sticks out longer than the Marabou itself. Hmm. It's kind of like a upgraded hobo spay on crack, if we want to call it. Hold on, the up. Graded hobo spay on crack. Yes, that's what we're going to call it. Wow. I think I have a couple of those in my box. Yeah, it's kind of like I tied to try, try to tie a popsicle, and somehow some Rhea ended up in there with some flashaboo, hmm. and now there's a cone head on there, and we have a trailer hook. That's creative license is what that is. Exactly. That's a license to kill. Throw that in the water. Is there anything about the fly fishing space that really irks you or makes you go what the hell are we doing or are we just in a good spot like wh- where do you think we're the at negativity. In this? the negativity 
against other people and what they are doing. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about, whether it's social media, face-to-face on the river, doesn't matter. We're all in this for the same thing. There's no point, like, you know what? Unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, I have to gearfish a lot for work because a lot of the clients we get want to gearfish, but I do get a lot of steelhead guys that do fly fish. Mm -hmm. So I have to gearfish a lot during the fall. And you know what? At the end of the day, we're all going, like I said, for the same goal. Right. We want to catch a fish. We want to have a good time. We're trying to enjoy the outdoors. Hmm. And that is one thing I think that a lot of people miss the point is it's a competition of look at my Sims waders. And I mean, I can't talk because uh, <laughs> I am decked out in everything Sims. I don't wear anything else. Yeah. But uh, it's look at my Sims waders. Look at the Sage 3113 or the uh, new Winston Spay Rod with a hat that's tied onto it or <laughs> whatever it is. It's like, congratulations that uh, your wife is pissed that you spent $3,900. Are we, are we, are we going to blame Peter for that? Um, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I, Unfortunately, actually, if anybody out there owns a Sage Rob, Sage is up their pricing and warranty, so beware. <laughs> okay. Yeah, their uh, warranty now for pretty much anything that's three years or older is going to be 225 bucks if you break a section. Okay. So I'm actually switching over to Loomis Ross. <laughs> okay. So are we talking GLX? Or are we talking what? Um, right now, I have a GLX Roaring River. I have an NRX as well. Um, I really like the NRX rods. Yeah. So, um, I'm also really into the OPST spay rods as well. So do you like a faster action rod, Max? Actually, no, because I fish a 6-7 Roaring River, and it's super soft. Okay. But um, I do like faster rods. It just depends. Um, another rod I really like is a Loop Black Line uh 12-foot, 4-inch, 8-weight. And that's a, like a broomstick. You could go to the local casino and play pool with it after if you wanted to. <laughs> do, you, do you guys sell a lot of loop rods in the shop? Um, Not anymore, no. Okay. No. we um, uh, Loop is actually opening its own store. Really? Out here in the valley, yeah. So uh, we didn't really sell a whole lot of it when we had carried it. But uh, honestly, I sell a lot of Sage. I sell a lot of Echo. Shout yeah. out to Echo. Their rods are awesome. They oh, do a great yeah. job. I love their warranty. I love their price point. Their warranty, their price point, at the end of the day, if you're looking for a bargain and rod, something's going to do the job and somebody's going to stand behind it, it's going to be Echo. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Um, have you had any experience with Douglas or have you had any experience with, um, do you guys sell Reddington as well, being a Sage dealer? Uh, yeah, we sell Reddington, Sage, um, Hardy, Scott, uh, Orvis, Echo, Loomis. Um, wow. I get a lot uh, of good feedback on the Scott Radian. Scott Radian, man, in the 10-foot 5-weight. I believe Jordan Ulrich, Flyfish University. Yeah. He fishes a 10-7 and a 6, and he loves them. I really like the 10-5 and the 9-foot 4. You know Jordan? Yeah, I do know Jordan. Jordan's an awesome guy. He is. I think we've had him on three or four times. Oh, really? That's crazy. Yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah, well, Brendan Lund's also a really solid guy out there, too. Shout out to him. He's awesome. And we've had, he was the first guy I ever had on the show. So, yeah, I think I, I think I remember listening to that podcast, actually. And I finally met him in person. Maybe At two, the show. Two, yeah, exactly. It was, <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was so cool. I, I walked up to a group of people and there was Randy, uh, Pascal. There was, uh, who else was in that group? There was uh, the guy, Mark, Mark Yotakawa, Mark, yeah. John Wilkinson. Yourself came up and I'm just like going, this is a list of who's been on the show. It felt like we, we should be going for a beer. But, uh, we probably all should eventually sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was, um, yeah. It was pretty cool. But that was a great show. I really enjoyed it. It was so nice getting back to a little bit of uh, normal, you know? Exactly. So what's on the what's on the radar for you coming up this season? You got you got a few trips. Uh, like what, What's going on this summer? You heading anywhere special that you uh, don't give us away secrets, but... I'm going to be working this summer doing sturgeon trips. Um, uh, and then the fall, I'm going to take off most likely. And mm-hmm. probably going to head up north to do some uh, fishing for rainbows and late season coal maybe some steelhead if the numbers are all right good but um yeah i've got a couple good still water trips planned 100 mile that is uh i like the 100 mile ponds that's my uh, haunts normally ah well, yes. you're giving away some secrets now so so max 
let's uh, let's talk about your social media as much as I know we laugh about social media. How do we follow you on social media? Where do we find these uh, fish pics and chronomid pics and, <laughs> and beer uh, fat tug pics? Um, you can find me at Guggen underscore Supreme on Instagram. Um, what? You can add me on Facebook. Hold on, say that again. What? Guggen underscore Supreme. So my I don't Instagram think I even handle, follow you. It's Guggen Supreme. So a Guggen is uh, somebody like in the gear fishing world, like you know that guy you see that pulls up in the sun hat with the gumboots, a tackle box, and a chair. Mm-hmm. That would be like your insert snagging a bunch of coal. That would be your um, uh, definition of a Guggen. <laughs> a Guggen, okay. So Guggen Supreme is the uh, is the handle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Little odd, I know, but that's I, yeah, that's the handle, and I've had it forever. I'm laughing because I'm not sure I'm following you right now. No, I am because I saw your pics of your flies. Okay, I never. I'm really bad with names on Instagram because names on Instagram don't mean anything. Facebook's a little different. What about Facebook? Um, I'm not a big Facebook guy. Um, honestly, if you want to come talk to me, you can call me at the shop at Fred's at Abbotsford, um, Friday through Monday. You can contact me through Instagram. I do pay attention to Facebook a little bit, not really. Um, another good place to get a hold of me is just find me on the river, man, because I'm out there. I'm really the approach. I don't look approachable on the lake or the river, but uh, come talk to me. I'm the bearded guy. I'm probably smoking a cigarette, drinking a PBR. <laughs> and I can I can tell you if you message this guy on Facebook, he'll get back to you in six months. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna, and also too, if you get my voicemail. My voicemail says exactly, I'm sorry, I'm either at work, busy fishing, or I don't want to talk to you. Call back later. Never judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. As soon as I read that, I knew we had to talk. Max, thanks so much, man, for doing this. I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, thanks for sharing your story today. I appreciate you too, Mark. Thanks a lot, man. Don't hang up. Max Cohen uh, out of Abbotsford, B.C. Uh, He's uh, working at Fred's Custom Tackle and Abbey doing some guiding. Thanks for joining us on the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.